interested in going to our Discover membership class, this is no commitment. Join our class, our church, but it's just an opportunity for you to learn more about our church and just sign up at the welcome station. We'd love to have you there. There, we'll have a little meal afterwards, and it takes place right after the morning service, and you'll be out of here pretty soon. Amen. I want you to take your Bibles, please, and turn to 1 Samuel. 1 Samuel chapter 1, this is a very long passage, so I'm going to just read the first seven verses, and then we'll look at uh, some of the other verses as we, as we go through. Let's stand, please, in honor of God's Word. There was a certain man of Ramothim Zophim, of the hill country of Ephraim, whose name was Elkanah, the son of Jeroham, the son of Elihu, the son of Tohu, the son of Zuth, and Ephrathite, who had two wives. The name of the one was Hannah, and the name of the other was um, Penina. And Penina had children, but Hannah had no children. Now this man used to go up year by year from his city to worship and to sacrifice to the Lord of hosts at Shiloh. There were two sons of Eli, Hoth. Hophni and uh, Phinehas were priests of the Lord. On the day when Elkanah sacrificed, he would give portions to Peninnah, his wife, and to all her sons and daughters. But to Hannah, he gave a double portion because he loved her, though the Lord had closed her womb. And her rival used to provoke her grievously to irritate her because the Lord had closed her womb. So it went on uh, year after year. As often as she went up to the house of the Lord, she used to provoke her. Therefore, Hannah wept and would not eat. You may be seated. May the Lord bless the reading of his word. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for your love. We thank you for the wonderful opportunity we have to be here to worship together, to celebrate this wonderful Mother's Day together. And Lord, how thankful we are for our mothers, Lord, and our mothers who are living and our mothers who have gone to be with you. We just thank you for their memory. We thank you for the impact that they made upon our lives. And we pray, Heavenly Father, now that as we turn to your word, that you would, um, that you would use it to make us more like Jesus that we might serve more like Jesus in the world in which we live. For we pray in his wonderful name, in the name of Jesus. Amen. Well, let me begin this morning with a question. Often I like to begin with a question, and the question is this. Does God care? Does God care? You know, the state of our nation and world today raises that question, doesn't it? Does God care? Does God care about all the violence and hatred and murder that takes place daily on our streets here in our country? Does God care about the millions in our country and throughout the world who have died or who are dying of COVID? Does Jesus care about the 600 thousand 
abortions that take place every year in our own country alone? Does Jesus care? Does God care? Let me try to bring it down to where we all live. Does God care about you? Does Jesus care about you? Does Jesus care about what you're going through right now in your own personal life, your family life? Does Jesus care about what's breaking your heart, maybe? Does Jesus care about what's maybe keeping you up at night? Does Jesus care? It was during the horrors of World War I that Orson Welles is quoted as saying, either God is sovereign but uncaring, or he is caring but impotent. Well, my friend, I'm here to tell you this morning that God is neither uncaring or impotent. He is both sovereign and caring. We have a God who cares. The old, the old hymn asks that same question. Does Jesus care when my heart is pain too deeply for mirth or song? As the burdens press and the cares distress and the way grows weary and long. Then comes the answer. Oh, yes, he cares. I know he cares. His heart is touched with my grief. When the days are weary and the long nights dreary, I know my Savior cares. In our story this morning, we meet a young wife who wants more than anything else to be a mother and is heartbroken because she can't conceive and bear a son. Her name is Hannah. Did God care about Hannah? Did God care about her sorrow, her grief, her pain? Well, we know from our story that, yes, God cared for Hannah. And God cares for you and me today. The first point that I want to share with you this morning is this. God cares about our sorrows. He cares about our sorrows. Whatever you might be going through this morning, I want you to know on the authority of God's word that God, that Jesus cares for you. Now, in Hannah's day, to be childless was to be worthless. Now, I know that sounds horrible, but that's true. That's the way it was in that day. To have, to have children was a sign of God's blessing, but to be childless was a sign of God's displeasure. Now, we know that's untrue, but that's the way the world looked at it in that day. Childlessness carried a terrible stigma. And this accounts for Hannah's great sorrow and sadness because she had no children. It was also the custom of that day, although it was never God's plan, for a man whose wife was barren to take a second wife so that she would bear children for him. Well, this is what Hannah's husband Elkanah did. He didn't wait on the Lord. He didn't trust God to, to work out his plan for their home, but took a second wife, Peninnah. And this, of course, made matters worse for Hannah. You know, I'm sure she thought, well, I can't give him a child, so he had to go and find someone else. I know it was horrible in the life of this, this young woman. You know, God's original plan for marriage has always been and is today for one man and one woman to be married for life. You know, that's always been God's plan. 
And God hasn't changed his mind. He hasn't changed his mind. I heard it said recently, maybe you've heard the same thing, God loves love no matter if it's between a man and a woman or two men or two women. That is not God's plan. It's not God's plan. God's plan hasn't changed from creation. Man's law might change as it, as it has. But my friend, God's word hasn't changed. When God's plan is followed, wonderful things happen. But when God's plan is rejected, there's always trouble. Adultery, unmarital uh, marital unfaithfulness. It leads to broken homes, broken marriages, and often broken children. Why? Because children are the ones who suffer the most. Cohabitation, living together outside of marriage, also leads to trouble. Statistics tell us that couples who decide just to live together, oh, oh we're going to just try this thing out, we're going to just live together, and then later on decide to get married, they're much more likely to get divorced than couples who do the right thing and get married in the first place. Well, Elkanah brought trouble to his home by taking a second wife. We know that's true. Also, Penina, she ridiculed Hannah because she was unable to have a child. We know from the story that every year the family went up to Shiloh to worship, and Penina constantly through her childlessness up in her face. You know, we can only imagine the hurtful words she spoke. Maybe words like, Hannah, why do you go up to Shiloh year after year to give thanks to the Lord when the one thing you want more than anything, God won't give you? Why do you do that? Hannah, you are barren. You'll never have a baby, so just forget it. Hannah, it's obvious. God doesn't care for you. It's obvious God has forgotten all about you. You know, don't ever say, sticks and stones will break my bones, but words will never hurt me. Because words do hurt, and sometimes words are more hurtful than a, than a beating. The verbal abuse that, 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 that Hannah got was so difficult and so bad that Hannah spent her days weeping and she just couldn't even eat. You know, when you think about it, if anyone had reason to be bitter and resentful, it was Hannah. If anyone had reason to, to lash out, it was Hannah. But, you know, so far from this story, she never became bitter. She never became resentful, not even to, to Penina. The name Hannah means woman of grace, and she was a woman of grace. She was a woman of grace because she dealt with her painful situation and abuse in a way that really glorified God. You know, you can tell a lot about a person. You can tell a lot about a person's character by the way they respond to adversity, and we see this in, in Hannah's life. We see this in her life. You know, God doesn't promise us a smooth road. He doesn't promise us smooth sailing because there will be storms, and there are certainly storms in Hannah's life. Oh, I don't want you to ever listen to the health and wealth preachers who tell you that, 
that it's God's will for you to be healthy and wealthy, and if you're not healthy and wealthy, then there's something wrong in your life, something spiritually wrong in your life. Maybe you aren't really committed to God. Maybe you're not even saved if that's not true in your life. Now, God doesn't promise us health and wealth. In fact, some of the some of the most godly Christians I've ever met in my life were sick and poor, but they were healthy and wealthy spiritually. And that's the health and wealth that really matters in life. Yes, God cares about our sorrows. But secondly, I want us to see that God cares about our prayers. He cares about our prayers. You know, I love Proverbs 3, 5. It says, trust in the Lord with all of your heart and do not rely on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him and he will make your paths straight. You know, that's exactly what Hannah did. That's exactly what she did. Rather than taking matters in her own hands, seeking revenge and getting even, she took the matter to the Lord. That's what she did. She took it to the Lord. In fact, she did what that great old hymn tells us to do. What a friend we have in Jesus. All our sins and griefs to bear. What a privilege to carry everything to God in prayer. Oh, what peace we often forfeit. Oh, what needless pain we bear. All because we do not carry everything to God in prayer. Can we find a friend so faithful? Who will all our sorrows share? Jesus knows our every weakness. Take it to the Lord in prayer. Do thy friends despise, forsake thee? Take it to the Lord in prayer. In his arms he'll take and shield thee. Thou will find a solace there oh hannah took her sorrow and grief to the lord in prayer and in doing so it not only changed her life but it literally changed the nation's life the nation of israel on one of her many trips to shallow with her family this is what we read beginning at verse 9 after they had eaten and drunk in shallow hannah arose Now Eli, the priest, was sitting on the seat beside the doorpost of the temple of the Lord. She was deeply distressed and prayed to the Lord and wept bitterly. And she vowed a vow and said, O Lord of hosts, if you will indeed look on the affliction of your servant and remember me and not forget your servant, but will give me your servant a son, then I will give him to the Lord all the days of his life. And no razor shall touch his head. Now I want us to think just a moment about Hannah's prayer here. First, it was a prayer of faith. No doubt about it, it was a prayer of faith. She said, Lord, give to your servant a son. (laughs) And she was barren. For years she wanted a son. No son came. Oh, this was a prayer of faith. She wasn't bargaining with God. She wasn't saying, God, if you do this for me, then... I'll do that for you. No, it was no bargaining, not at all. Also, I want you to notice that she approached God acknowledging his majesty. O Lord of hosts, O Lord of the angelic armies, she approached God in his majesty. She also approached God in humility. Notice, she said, if you will indeed look on the affliction of your servant. Servant. 
She calls herself a servant. Uh, another name is handmaiden. I, I just think of Mary, you know, when the angel appeared uh, to her and said that she would give birth to Jesus, the Son of God, and she says, the handmaiden of the Lord. Hannah used that same word, the handmaiden of the Lord. She knew who God was, and she knew who she was, just a humble handmaiden of the Lord. And she approached God in faith. She says, give to your servant a son. Now, now that's faith. As I said, she was barren. But she prayed for the impossible, for God to give her a son. See, Hannah's only hope was in God. She had nowhere else to go. You know, it reminds me of Peter. You know, Peter. Uh, he said, well, Jesus said, will you all leave me? And, and Peter says, Lord, you alone have the words of life. Where else can we go? Where else can we go? Well, she had nowhere else to go. And she went to the Lord. She believed that God was able to give her a son. And, and I really think that Hannah's mind went back to the story of, of Abraham and Sarah in the book of Genesis. Sarah was an old woman, and she was barren. She had never been able to have a child. And Abraham, too, was an old man. At this time, he was around 90 years old. But they believed God, that God could do the impossible and give them a son. And Sarah conceived, and, and Isaac was born. Nothing is too hard for God, and Hannah believed that. She believed that. Hannah's prayer also was a prayer of sacrifice. I want you to see that. She says, if you will, Lord, if you will, give to your servant a son, then I will give him to the Lord all the days of his life, and no razor shall touch his head. I like what Warren Wisby writes in his little commentary on the book of 1 Samuel. He says, bearing a son would have removed Hannah's disgrace but giving up her son was another matter. Perhaps it would have been easier for her to go on living in barrenness than to have a child for three years and have to give him up forever. But you know, Hannah knew that it's never a mistake to give your children to the Lord. And that's what she did here. You know, let me say to you mothers, are you praying that for your children? Are you praying that for your children? And your grandmothers, we have a lot of grandmothers in here. Are you praying that for your children? Are you praying for your children, your grandchildren, to grow up to be men and women of God who love Jesus and who will serve him faithfully? You know, Susanna Wesley prayed that for her boys, John and Charles. And God used her son, John, John to shake England and America with the gospel of Jesus Christ and God used her son Charles to write some of the great greatest of all hymns of the faith. Don't underestimate the power of a praying mother. And then I think about St. Augustine's mother, Monica. She prayed fervently for her son to be saved who, who was living at that time a very wicked life. And God answered her prayers, and he became one of the great uh, church fathers and one of the great early theologians of the church. Don't underestimate the power 
of a praying mother. So here we see in the text that Hannah poured out her heart to the Lord. Let's continue reading in verse 12. And she continued praying before the Lord. Eli observed her mouth. Hannah was speaking with her heart. Only her lips moved and her voice was not heard. Therefore, Eli took her to be a drunken woman. And Eli said to her, how long will you go on being drunk? Put your wine away from you. Eli was a sorry excuse for being a priest. I wish we could just go into the chapters 2 and chapters 3 about Eli. I mean, he was not a spiritual man, and he didn't have spiritual sons who were also priests in Israel. A sorry excuse. He was an incompetent priest. He couldn't tell the difference between a godly woman's prayer and drunken rabbling. He couldn't tell the difference. And maybe he couldn't tell the difference because his two sons were drunkards. drunkards, And he just could not distinguish between anyone else being anything else. (laughs) Warren Wiersbe writes, Eli accused her of pouring out too much wine when all she was doing was pouring out her soul to God in prayer. Listen to Hannah's response to Eli in verse 15. But Hannah answered, No, my Lord, I'm a woman troubled in spirit. I have drunk neither wine nor strong drink, but I have been pouring out my soul before the Lord. Do not regard your servant as a worthless woman. For all along I have been speaking out of my great anxiety and vexation. Like I said in chapter 2, we learn that the sons of Eli were worthless fellows. That's, That's what they're called. But Hannah was not a worthless woman. But that's what Eli made her out to be. Well, finally, the the old priest finally got it right and gave his blessing to her in verse 17. And Eli answered, Go in peace, and the God of Israel grant you petition, grant your petition that you have made to him. I, I know you've heard it all your Christian life that prayer changes things. Prayer does change things. You know, Hannah came to Shiloh depressed and sad, grief-spricken because she could not have a child. But now I want you to notice she leaves with joy and hope and with the full assurance that God had answered her prayer. Look at verse 18. And she said, let your servant find favor in your eyes. Then the woman went her way and ate before she was not even eating. Now she's eating and her face was no longer sad. She believed that God was going to give her a son. That was time to go back home. It was time to return to to Ramah in verse 19. And they arose early in the morning and worshiped before the Lord. Then they went back to their house at Ramah. And Elkanah knew Hannah, his wife. And the Lord remembered her. And in due time, Hannah conceived and bore a son. And she called his name Samuel. For she said, I have asked for him from the Lord. The name Samuel means asked for from God. And I want you to notice those precious words. It says, and the Lord remembered Hannah. God remembered her and, and gave her a son. Yes, God cares about our prayers. <laughs> he cares about our prayers. 
And then lastly, God cares about our sacrifice. He cares about our sacrifice. Well, the family made more trips back to Shiloh. We don't know exactly how many years they, they went back. They went back to worship, but not Hannah. She waited until little Samuel was weaned, and that could have been when he was three or four or five years old. And they nursed children for a long time in that day. And then she finally returned to Shiloh with Samuel to keep her promise to the Lord. Look with me at verse 24 and following. And when she had weaned him, she took him up with her, along with a three-year-old bull, an ephah of flour, and a skin of wine. And she brought him to the house of the Lord at Shiloh. And the child was young. Then they slaughtered the bull, and they brought the child to Eli. And she said, O my Lord, as you live, my Lord, I am the woman who was standing here in your presence, praying to the Lord. For this child I prayed, and the Lord has granted my petition that I made to him. Therefore, I have lent him to the Lord. As long as he lives, he is lent to the Lord. And notice what it says in the last sentence. And he, who's that? That's Samuel. (laughs) This little fella. And Samuel worshiped the Lord there. Listen, our children are often not too little to worship. We just need to model it in front of them. We need to show it to them, model it. More than anything in the world, Hannah wanted a son. And after years of waiting, she got her son. And now she was giving him back to God. Hannah was giving up the most precious possession on this earth, her miracle baby, to serve the Lord precious story we need more hannahs today we really do Leighton ford was the brother-in-law of billy graham his youngest son died tragically during a routine operation when the surgeon came out and told him that his son had died his first thoughts were lord I, i can't give him up i can't give him up But immediately it was as if the Lord was speaking to him and said, But Leighton, you have already given him up. You gave him to me the day he was born. Hannah gave Samuel up before he was born, really. Before he was born. When Hannah left Shiloh, you would have thought that she would have been burst out crying. But instead, she burst out praising God. That's what chapter 2 is about. Notice how chapter 2 begins. And Hannah prayed and said, My heart exalts in the Lord. My horn is exalted in the Lord. Praise. She rejoiced that, that her son was now in God's hands. Not in Eli's hands, but in God's hands. She rejoiced because her son was in God's service. And that's the reason for rejoicing. Hannah didn't realize at the time, I'm sure. But God was going to use her son in a very, very big way in Israel's history. To be the one of the greatest spiritual leaders that Israel has ever had. The last of the judges and the first of the prophets. Does God care? Yes, God cares. He cared about Hannah. 
He cared about her sorrow. He cared about her prayers. He cared about her sacrifice. And God hasn't changed. Let me say to you, mothers and grandmothers, he cares about you too. He cares about your sorrow. He cares about your prayers. He cares about your sacrifice. In fact, he cares for all of us. He cares so much that he gave up his only son as a sacrifice for us to be our Savior. He sent us his one and only son. Oh, he didn't have to do that. He didn't have to do that. But he gave up his one and only son for us and had him nailed up on a cross to die, not for his sins, but your sins and mine, so that we might have an opportunity to put our trust in him and be saved forever. Yes, Jesus cares. Yes, God cares. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for...